Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 100. I can't believe it, man. That's, that seems so, so much. It, it does seem like a lot. I don't know. It just seems like we've, we've uh, I don't know. I feel like we haven't done this for that long, but then you see the number, and it's just, you know, we must have got comfortable along the way. I don't know. It is our third season, so it kind of makes sense, I guess. That is true. So uh, triple digits, I guess uh, we're not doing the whole number thing anymore. We're doing the picture thing, as, as you've been doing the last couple episodes. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> thanks uh, thanks this, to everyone uh, who's been a big part of our community. This is uh, amazing. And part of the reason like, we love doing this show is the people that have joined. And, and especially in our lives, and we have a lot of comments in here, especially like going right now. So uh it's really cool it's really really good community good group of people not too much negativity i should say not that we don't need any negativity but uh not not too many trolls maybe that'll change after 100. when you said the people in our lives i thought you were going to get real deep like heartfelt but you meant the live shows i definitely meant the live shows but yes the people <laughs> in our in our lives as well <laughs> yeah uh yeah absolutely um Kind of that along the same lines as Aaron just said there. I want to say uh, right off the hop here instead of usually I do at the end. But thank you guys uh, for being such a big part of the Fin Factor and making it what it is. Uh, the content that we create, it's uh, it's motivated by you guys, right? Uh, by the comments that you make, by the the tweets that you send, by uh, just all the interactions that we've had, and we've had just such a great time. And we're looking forward to uh, getting on to episode number two hundred uh, and that the path that's along the way there and seeing how the show evolves. Once we get out of our uh, our bedrooms and garages and everything, we'll have a nice, uh, hopefully another studio set up and whatnot. We'll be looking good for you guys again. So uh, more to come, definitely. And uh, we do appreciate all of the support that you guys have been giving us uh, over the past couple seasons here. You know, between, uh, again, just supporting us with the comments and questions, along with the super chats, along with going to thefinfactor.com and picking up the hats, the shirts, the stickers, all those things, which we're looking at getting some, some new stuff uh, in the store for you guys as well. Uh, hopefully sooner than later we'll see i don't know when that'll happen but regardless let's get on to talking about the sharks here aaron i almost don't even want to spend much time talking about the first game against the minnesota wild it was a 2-1 game uh that kind of got out of hand at the end there with the empty net goals going to four to one so it looked a lot worse than it actually was i thought the sharks played a pretty solid game uh defensively at least uh with the basically the uh, the final score could have been two to one yeah, I thought Dubnik played really well, especially in this game. Uh, it's really unfortunate that he didn't get the win because uh, I feel like he definitely earned it. It would have been a pretty emotional thing for him to come back into Minnesota pretty quickly after um, you know he'd been playing there for a number of years. So uh, it was hard on him to come back. Um, and we actually have a quote right here that, uh, from the post game when he was asked about uh, how it was like playing against uh, his former team. Maybe we'll roll it. Super... Producer, Jason, maybe, maybe not. Who is it going? You'd like to know who you're talking about, Aaron. Who, Dubnik? Dubnik, oh, yes. Dubnik. Uh, talking about Dubnik. Sorry. Yeah, you know what? Um, it was it was strange. I knew it was going to be weird um, for many reasons. Obviously, coming back, but you know, not having fans. I just. Wanted to go out and and, uh, and try to play and, and you know felt uh, uh, in the first period as a little you know I had to sit myself down after the first and just just tell myself to relax I was a little a uh, little fired up and overthinking stuff and um, you know I just wanted to give the guys uh, 
a, a good chance. And I thought we played extremely well tonight. So I think if we, uh, honestly, if we play like that more often than not, we're going to, we're going to be uh, on the right side of things. So it was, uh, it would have been real nice to win. It was nice to, to get it out of the way and, and uh, feel like it played okay. There we go. That's that's uh, coming from Dubnik right after the game. Uh, it's kind of sad that again he didn't get the didn't get the win, but um, he played well. He stopped twenty five of twenty seven shots for a nine twenty seven sorry nine twenty six save percentage. Um, there was one shot, and he mentioned it later in that interview. I didn't put I didn't pull that quote, but Kaprizov was in on him. Uh, kind of I forgot who he'd been on defense. Probably Carlson, but he beat him and. Got a shot through his legs, uh, a la Tomas Hurdle, and he did not score. I think Dominic actually got a piece of it, thankfully. Otherwise, uh, he mentioned he's like, you just those are the goals that you don't want to be uh, scored on because you're going to see it 365 days uh, a year because it's going to be such a highlight real goal. So good thing to keep Kaprizov off, who I thought looks amazing, and I would say based on these last two games, probably the Calder Trophy. Uh, finalist candidate there, uh, at least this early in the season. Definitely a rising star for uh, for Minnesota there. Um, but yeah, I, I believe in basketball they call it getting posterized uh, because uh, you end up on a poster on the uh, the bad end. <laughs> uh, absolutely, no. I thought Dubnik played uh, well, and this is another game that Dubnik played that much like the first game against St. Louis where he lost, and he lost kind of big in that one. But I'll take a look at the goals, and you go, ah, he had two screenshots and two deflection shots. Uh, that all went in as goals. So it's really hard to kind of say, ah, the goaltender's just not uh, not doing his job. It's Those are real tough ones to get. You can't really track it when uh, it's being shot between your defenseman's legs and the uh, deflections are just, I mean, good luck, right, uh, on a lot of those ones. I mean, that's how Joe Pavelski made his living early. So I don't know. I think uh, he played well enough in game the first game against the Blues, and I thought he played well against the, the Minnesota Wild in the first game there. So, I, again, it was one of those games where I thought maybe – Dubnik is going to get the start, even though he got the loss, because he played well. And much like the second game against the Blues, he doesn't start the second game against the Minnesota Wild. And much like the game against the Blues, <laughs> Jones starts and gets the win. And then here we go in game two of the this series, mini series, if you will. And Jones starts and they get the win. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much more there really is to say about just game one in general. I thought the Sharks were good at times. I thought they played well defensively. I think you see this progression, right? from the beginning of the season to kind of where they are now. Again, it's only six games in, but you could definitely see the difference in the way that they're playing and that they're picking up the system and that they're understanding it more and that they're actually executing it better, right? So um, I think I, I saw somebody was saying, you know, Bob Bugner was the wrong choice and, and he needs to go. And that was somebody saying that this season so far. And I, I just think that's a little premature. And this is the reason why we were doing shows once every like week after like maybe three games or so now it's different this season but in the past that's why we did this is because you want to take a look at a few games at a time if you judge them after every single game you get these really high highs and these really low lows so when you do it after looking at you know a few games at a time you kind of get the idea of how they're picking up and getting it right you get to see them kind of understanding the the game plan better and i think that's what we're seeing right now is when you compare them the beginning of the season to, again, just six games in, there has been a lot of progression in terms of them picking up the play and picking up their understanding of what they should be doing out there. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think um, I think it's still early. I mean, this was only tonight was the sixth game of the season. Uh, granted, it is a shorter season, so this would probably feel more like 
if it was a regular 82 game, probably close to the 10 game mark. This is kind of where you start to kind of assess what you got and where you are. Um, but even then, the Sharks have had 10 months off of hockey against actual teams and not practice. So uh, it's going to take a little while to get them back up to speed. And that kind of goes for most of the teams. But remember, 24 of these 31 teams were in the playoffs, uh, more than the normal 16. So they were most of those teams had played some hockey back in, what was it, uh, September, July, August, September, around there. I can't even remember. Um, so it wasn't as, as long of a layoff, and they got to have some practice before they even started playing any games. So they got to see they had almost like a training camp, a mini training camp, and they get to see where their where their players are, and not just the players that are on the top team, but their their players that are below and in the system. They can at least assess those guys and see where they are, and give them some pointers. Okay, I need you to work on this. I need you maybe to work out differently and build some different muscles than you have to kind of get stronger in these areas. You know that kind of that kind of thing. So. The Sharks are a little behind the eight ball. Um, and real quick, I just want to I'll point out Lundy giving us four ninety nine, saying, "All right, we won," and also another dollar ninety nine, saying, uh, "It's like Dubnik didn't know he was traded." LOL. Uh, thanks, Lundy. Appreciate it. <laughs> just want to get those in there before they went away. But um, uh, we do have another quote here from Bugner after this game, um, kind of talking about the same thing um, about. Um, kind of asking guy because that was a disappointing loss four to one sounds worse than it was it was really a two to one game the two empty netters are just kind of disappointing but there was a chance for LeBanc I don't know if you remember this he almost tied it up with I want to say maybe two minutes left it was before Dubnik was pulled uh, he had a great a chance and he whiffed on it and you could see the frustration and the anger in his face when he got back to the bench that he missed that one because he knew that was a golden opportunity to tie the game but uh, let's roll into this Bugner uh, um, footage from the post-game interview after this game one against Minnesota. Well, I think that, uh, um, you know, it's so early in the season, and, and I don't think it's a, a huge uh, um, measuring stick right now. I think we're still all trying to figure out our own games, our own teams, all the coaches are doing the same. Um, you know, I, I, I like really, uh, if anything, that how we played in the third period in St. Louis, we carried it in. We played a pretty good, solid structure game in the first two periods here. And, um, you know, that, again, the power play, we gotta we got to try and find a way to solve their PK. And they're probably saying the same thing over there. We did a real good job on our kill. Um, and it's just minor adjustments. For me, it's it's about, you know, we got to find a way and, and work on it tomorrow in practice of you know, generating some more offense from below tops of circles. Uh, yeah, and, and going off of what he said there, the PK unit, I thought, has been very good. Uh, they did give up a goal in tonight's game, but they did uh, they killed off all the penalties in, in the first game in Minnesota. And just to give you a sense of where they are in the league, last year they led the league, which is so bizarre because they finished so low in the standings. They led the league at 86 point, or I'm sorry, 85.7%. That's kind of the benchmark roughly of where the top teams are going to be, around 85%. They are right now, after tonight's game and all the other games the NHL are done, they're in ninth at 86.4%. Um, so they are on schedule, on par, to finish where they kind of were last year in in their PK, which is amazing because they lost their top two PK guys in Carlson and Goudreau. So Nieto's stepping in as well as uh, – who's the other one? That's not Sorensen, I think, is taking yeah. it, right? And yeah. to go back like just on that line alone of the Marlow, Sorensen, and Nieto line, I think – the last two games, not just tonight, but the game before, uh, Nieto scored a goal, right? Was that last? That was the last game. He scored that goal. 
um, we're getting to see some contributions from this line, and I think they're kind of overwhelming the other team with their speed. So um, it's a good mix of speed and skill, and this is technically the fourth line based on if you're looking at the minutes. Um, so if you're getting some chipping goals here and there from that fourth line, it, that's going to bode well in the long run. And I think what we're seeing is the Sharks are kind of getting their game, buying into the system of Bugner, seeing some results finally, especially after tonight's game, and getting some wins. Um, so I'm I'm pretty happy with that line and and kind of the direction that they're going in at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like you said, Nieto chips in uh, a fourth line goal there. They've been asking for depth scoring, at least the fans have, and we uh, we got that. And then most recently, the fans and everybody else has been asking for uh, the top lines guys to score. So everybody needs to score, according to everyone. So uh, it was nice to see at least the uh, the Nieto line kind of chipping in there. Um, after we saw an, a great goal by Sorensen, I think it was the game before, right? So um, lots of good things that are happening right now for for the depth scoring. Uh, the the top six scoring, if you will, uh, has kind of picked up as of this uh, past game here. And we'll talk about that in just a minute here. I know people were chomping at the bit to talk about the win. So I'll kind of cruise through the rest of game one here. Uh, Parise had scored to, to take the lead there. That was one where Carlson and Schimmick kind of both went towards the puck carrier and there was Parise hanging out in the back there and he just kind of banged it in. So uh, a little miscommunication there and that's really what caused the the game. So uh, again, a 2-1 game that turned into a 4-1 game with two empty net goals. So, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is and you move on. And the Sharks did exactly that. So unless there's anything else you want to bring up about game one, I'm ready to talk about the win. Uh, the other bright side, I guess, is the face-offs. Uh, they were 58% in the face-off circle in the, in the first game against Minnesota. So, uh, trending upward for face-offs, which is boding well for them. That's it. That's all I wanted to cover. Yeah, I think uh, earlier in the season we had seen that their face-offs actually took uh, a bit of a dip as well. So uh, we were excited to see Handemark get in there and maybe show his uh, his face-off skills, flex his muscles there. But apparently that's not enough to keep you in the lineup in the NHL. So Handemark uh, kind of having a seat here. So when we take a look at what was asked of the team after that first game against Minnesota Wild. And you wanted to see more scoring from the top six guys, right, from from your big guns. And Bob Bugner sends a message to Timo Meyer, and he puts him down on the third line. I believe he was alongside – let's see, Meyer was playing alongside – not Donato. Um, uh, Gregor and Gambrell. Thank you, Gregor and Gambrell. That was the other name that I wanted to pull out there was Gambrell. Um, he seems to be – showing that he can be that third line center for this team right now. Uh, I, I I will be the first one to admit I was not very high on Gambrell. Uh, I thought much, even like Kevin Kurz was saying the same thing. He's much closer to the team than I am, but uh, he was saying the same thing where, you know, I think his days here might be numbered. He's really got to put up this season or I don't think he's going to be uh, wearing a Sharks uniform uh, for very long. And I kind of felt the same way. I figured this guy just kind of step, needs to step up and actually do something here. And, you know, he, credit to him. He worked on this in the offseason, not getting bumped off the puck so easily. He's not the biggest guy, and he's certainly not the heaviest guy out there, but he certainly worked on his center of gravity, being able to protect the puck better, and it's serving him well right now. He was in uh, the lineup, out of the lineup, now he's back in, and he's basically kind of taking over on this uh, 3C role. Now he's got probably a short leash. Same thing that Shang Peng had said in the tweet was he's probably got a short leash here, and, and that's okay, but... I think that he's kind of solidifying himself a little bit right now. And the thing with Timo was he was put on that line alongside Gregor and Gambrell. And the Gregor's uh, got a lot of good speed. You've got the playmaking ability and the newly found puck protection out of Gambrell. And then you've got Timo Meyer. Now, Timo plays best 
when he's trying to be that tank, when he's getting dirty, when he's banging bodies out there, right? And he added that element to that line. And the entire game, you were hearing from everybody, be it on the broadcast, be it through Twitter, um, that that line was the Sharks' best line. So um, then you start seeing them kind of creating these chances. And maybe it wasn't going in for them, but they were very dangerous out there, I thought. So did you see that the same way, or did you think that that line – uh, maybe had a little bit more to offer because I felt that they did a great job tonight. Yeah, when you kind of spread out your top line guys um, amongst your other lines, so think about Timo Meyer. He's used to playing against the top top guys. He's usually on the top line, so he's playing the top defensive guys on the other teams. When you move him down the lineup into that third line, now he's going to play against other third lines, and he should and is dominating. So you've seen a lot of those power moves that he was doing tonight um, when he when he got moved to that line, and it worked. And I think um, I almost it's hard to say if if it's also sad to him if he can't stay at that level on the top lines and you keep moving him down he does does well he might get stuck down there maybe a second or third line guy that's going to dominate and chip and chip in now I'm sure he the message was sent I'm sure he's going to get called back up to that top line but um, still when you get those mismatches that's kind of what you're looking at as a coach is to is to create mismatches and create um opportunities um exactly like how he was doing with those power moves and i'm loving those power moves i'm i'm this is something that i've missed the sharks doing in the last i don't know probably three four seasons uh, especially under pete DeBoer. i'm not trying to badmouth DeBoer. I, I think he's a fantastic coach but his message i think got kind of stale because he's more of the guy that would preach to do the system and force the players into the system this is more of a creativity and it's unleashing kind of more creativity stuff like the Burns goal tonight. You see Burns being a little bit more aggressive and and just absolutely uh, <laughs> Ryan Sontag, thanks for the two bucks. Here's a, here's a good quote to go with that. <laughs> really upped his trade value tonight. And right before that, Anthony Sanchez says, uh, hey guys, my wife dares you to say trade Burns after his goal tonight. So I think those two go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think the players are kind of get a little more comfortable in the, in the, uh, the Bugner system. And I like the um, encouragement to be more, and this is what they talked about before, to be more uh, creative with what they're going to be doing. So it gives the top players, such as Burns and Carlson, some great ways to be creative. And going to moving to Carlson, I think defensively Carlson has had his struggles, absolutely. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I think he's looked fantastic offensively. Um, I think he's being very creative, more so than he has before. He looks more comfortable on the ice skating. Uh, his passes are are even better, I think. <laughs> I think he's catching some guys by surprise, and they can't handle the puck as well because they're kind of not expecting the puck to be on their stick. So um, so I just wanted to give him a little bit of praise, but I do. I, I also want to give him some criticism on the defensive end, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but what do you think about Let's talk about the Burns Eagle. Everyone wants to talk about the Burns Eagle. I mean, okay. Okay, wait, wait. Tell me, were you jumping on the couch screaming when you saw it? I was not jumping on the couch. I have more respect for my couch than that. But I was jumping off the couch. Um, I, I mean, okay, let's let's think of words that describe this goal. Uh, nasty, uh, <laughs> filthy, gross. Uh, let's. Uh, what was the the quote from Ryan Donato? Yeah. Disgusting. What did he say? Disgusting. disgusting. I mean, these are all words that just, yes, the more, you know, this, these are all words that describe this goal. I mean, I'm going to tell you through this play by play just from the top of my head here. Okay. The, the face off comes and it comes to Bernsey. He fires it. And just like they've been doing all night and all night before that, 
um, that the Minnesota Wild blocked the shot. And so Burns says, you know what? Forget this. I'm just going to take it to the house. He gets the puck, pulls it to his backhand to evade a stick, a stick check, right? Skates in towards the net, pulls it to his forehand, evades another stick check, pulls it to his backhand again, evades another stick check, and he roofs it on the backhand, just absolutely puts a hole through the ceiling. I mean, this thing, if, the, if not for the netting being as tightly woven and as strong as it was, it just busted straight through. I mean, this guy has been known. I, I mean, when you saw his days as a forward and Joe Thornton feeds him and he one-times it, he was sitting at the blue paint and he one-times it as if the goal is on the other end of the arena. You know, he has to go through the net to get to it, right? Th- this guy, how much power this guy has. And for him to just roof it the way that he did, he was in tight. Now, again, everything I've just described, it sounds Datsukian. Um but, but this is this is he was six four defenseman, right? I mean, he has a background playing as a forward, but he hasn't been playing as a forward. He's been playing as a defenseman. So for him to be able to just walk through literally the entire wild defense, forwards and defense, and then roof it over their goaltender. I don't care if he's a third string goalie, as somebody had alluded to earlier. That's just magic. And again, absolutely disgusting, he's filthy, silky mitts, silky mitts, silky mitts. It's unreal. Absolutely I, I, unreal. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I was, I just, I, I mean, I fell over. I jumped up. I just about fell over. I, it was insane. I watched the replay on that one about five times. <laughs> Uh-oh. So we got Ed Lundy saying trade Burns for Braun. No, that's not happening, buddy. Not happening at all. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. There will be no shoes thrown tonight, my friend. Uh, you can keep, tell her to keep the shoes on. They, we're okay. No, no trade talk today. The, the more you know uh yeah i know absolutely um and, and the <laughs> the look on his face if you haven't seen my tweet i don't know maybe somebody could post it in the chat or something like that but i had a tweet out there saying somebody please make a gif of the face that he was making at the end of the of the game there right before the last face off and if you have it on uh, replay or whatever you can just rewind it to basically about four seconds left and watch him on the bench and he's making this really weird face with his tongue whipping around all over. i don't know what he was talking about exactly but um oh. Actually, we got a quote here, don't we? Yeah, we have we have the post game from Burnsy himself, and he kind of mentions about it. So uh, let's roll that footage right here from Burns himself. Yeah, I mean Jonesy Jonesy was huge for us again tonight. Made some huge saves at key times. Um, what was I think? I wasn't really thinking. I mean, that's probably what happens in those plays a lot. Is you don't think. Uh, Hurdle won a great draw. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It just it's one of those things. It's just nice to see it. Kind of work out and uh, weird, weird with no fans there. Uh, me and Mario were laughing. We're the only guys screaming there for a bit. And uh, yeah, it's just a big win. I think you know I talked about it before. That's uh, you know I felt like that was probably our best game by far that we played so far and most complete. Competed hard. That would have been a tough one to to lose. I think you really want to. You, you lose that first game, you have to win the second game. And um, we were up. So that was uh, that was nice to get that and, and feel good about it. I think the game was coming. And uh, we were competing hard. And that's that's one you, you would hate to see to not come through with two points. Yeah, spot on right there. Um, gosh, can you imagine if they let that game go? Can you imagine if that uh, that didn't work out for them there? Um, I mean, we I was looking at this when they tied it up four four. I'm going no, uh, yeah, it, it, that was a little bit scary there. But um, you know, I mean, again, uh, great great to see them come out with a win here. I mean, they absolutely deserve this one. 
So uh, it was it was great to see Bernsey making his way through all that, and it was great to see on the bench. You know, you've got him and Mario Ferraro kind of chuckling, having a good time there. And it's one of those things where you you look back and you say, you know, Joe Thornton was that guy that kept everybody loose, that kept everybody happy. Or how are they gonna how are they gonna be able to move forward with this? Are they gonna uh, you know uh, have a hard time trying to keep it loose? Because he was that guy that even on a loss would bring them back up, right? And and the words there from Bernsey. Saying, you know, Mario Ferraro is one of those guys. He was saying in the post game that while well, he was on the bench, this is different from the video we just saw here, um, where he was saying, you know, Mario is one of those guys that, you know, he's he's just a great presence to be around. He's always happy. He's always one of those guys that you can talk with that kind of lifts you back up, right? So either either they're laughing together or we're laughing at him, is I think what Bernsey said there. So um, it's nice to have other guys on the team, especially the younger guys, stepping up into a role that is beyond hockey, right? It's a role that helps keep the guys loose, help keeps the guys happy. Because especially in this pandemic era right now where you've got a team that's on a going to be on a 14-game road trip and maybe even longer, being able to, to have that mental health and have that stability of that camaraderie, uh, you know, outside of just playing hockey all the time, I think that's a really big thing for these guys. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to what he said about Jones too. He was he was giving Jones praise. And the last uh, after that goal, uh, Minnesota had a really good chance in close. I think I want to say it was Parise. I can't remember if it was him or someone else. But Jones came up with a huge save. He got his glove on it because they went glove side on him. Um, and usually he's getting beat on those. So I just wanted to point that out. Like Jones really that was a game winning save right there. That that should have been a goal and should have been tied up. It was in such. It was in the slot, such a high danger chance, kind of the high slot, but still, um, they they should have buried that. And you could see the frustration in in the player's face. I can't I can't remember who it was, um, but I was very excited about it. Um, one thing, uh, Anthony Sanchez. Here's a quote. Here says, "I think Burns can play a rover position." Now it's interesting you say that because this is kind of what I was talking about. How they're going to be more creative and how they're they're kind of attacking more. They're not staying at the blue line. And they, as in Carlson and Burns. They're being more creative. They're attacking more. You're going to see them more in the offensive zone, taking more chances, um, as long as one of those forwards are coming back to kind of rotate. But it's wreaking havoc on other teams because it's hard for them to kind of pick up, and there's a lot of miscommunication. So normally in hockey, you have your when you're playing defense as a team, your wingers are picking up your the defenseman at the point, and wingers usually aren't as good. Your centermen are usually your better forwards at playing defensively. So the wingers are kind of getting tied up where they're like, oh, I got to follow this guy. And they're getting burned and getting behind uh, Burns and Carlson. So you're going to see them get more chances and it will create kind of counterattacks. And you're going to see kind of stuff coming back if they don't get the puck in deep. But still, we're going to see a lot more. Again, I keep using this word creativity. I need to find another word. I need to the source or something. <laughs> um, also, another uh, another quote that I'm laughing because um, I don't really like it, but I do love the picture. This is from Stevenson Yee. Burns should be a right wing, though. Everybody take a look at that picture. What's he wearing in this picture? If, if producer Jason can find this from Stevenson Yee. Look at that. Look at that. My body tingles, and he's got our shirt on. Can you see that? Oh, I like <laughs> <Anyway>, the icon. <laughs> Burns is not going to be right wing. I know this is just you know solidifying his case that he should be, but, again, if he's a right wing... Burnsy is probably going to play 18, maybe 20 minutes a game. Now, tonight, he actually had more than Carlson. He had 27 minutes. So your best player is on the ice longer. It's better for him to be a defenseman. Um, maybe not defensively, but 
he's going to be your best player and you want your best players on the ice more. Well, and it's funny that you say that because uh, post game Bob Bugner was saying, you know, honestly, I'm kind of tired of hearing people that are not saying Brent Burns is uh, good defensively. He makes some pretty solid defensive plays. It's just that the thing is the bad always stands out, right? Um, when you when you watch the news, there's never stories that are just all feel good stories. They always tell you all the bad things that happened today, right? Uh, and in the media, same thing. They kind of they'll tell you about the, the good things, but they really harp on all the bad things that are going on. And so that's the thing that one of the things I like about our channel and and what we do for the the Sharks community is we kind of tend to look more on the positive sides of things. Look, we know that the Sharks aren't looking like uh, the 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 cup contenders that we all want them to be. We know that. But we're trying to be as positive about what we have as we possibly can. And, yes, we, we realize they're probably going to be a middle-of-the-pack team that maybe squeaks into the playoffs, and that'd be great. And we're happy that, that that's where we are right now because, hey, once you get in, that's really all you need. You just need to take it to the dance, right? So um, on that note, actually, I do want to call out a, a comment that I see here. Dana uh, Meyerson says, great YouTube channel, too. I think there was someone else saying that was so iconic. Great YouTube channel, too. Hey, thank you so much for the comment. We appreciate that. That's kind of what we're going for. We're just trying to, you know, uh, brighten everyone's day, especially when we've got a win to talk about. That's always uh, pretty nice. Good news there. Yes, the more, you know. Yeah. Um, you know. The other thing I want to point out is let's just take a look at the goal scorers tonight. Now, I think Noah Gregor was the empty net goal, so we'll – We'll count that one, but still, whatever. Um, uh, Nieto. Nieto was the empty net. So, Burnsy, right? Uh, this is not in order, but I'm looking at the stat sheet here. Uh, Burnsy got the goal. Donato. Ryan Donato scores against his former team. Not only that, he also got an assist uh, in this game. I believe that was on the uh, Evander Kane goal, uh, which Evander Kane scored as well. So, uh, that was an awesome one, too. Um, I, it was a drop pass. I, I can't remember who it was that, that hit him, but I think it might have been Timo. But uh, Donato passed it up, and whoever it was, I think it was Timo, dropped it back, and Kane just let it rip. And, uh, wow, just just pounded it past the goalie. So uh, really good stuff there. And then, uh, so let's see, yeah, Nieto. Nieto was the other one there. So uh, Burns, Donato, uh, Kane, Nieto, and Gregor. I mean, those are that's yeah. a good thread. Gregor getting thread. into the lineup, too, tonight over, uh, who was it, Nason? I think Nason was in the last game. So Nason sat, and Gregor goes in tonight, and Gregor gets the goal. So I would imagine that Gregor's going to stay in the lineup uh, for the next game because of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you change anything. I honestly, I don't think you change anything. I thought the Lions today did great. Um, I think maybe you might have want to see a little bit more out of Couture but, uh, and his line, but I, I think they they played okay as well. There are nights where certain lines are not going to do so hot, and there are lines where other lines uh, – I'm sorry, there are games where those other lines are going to be picking up the slack. And when those guys kind of fall off, then you look back to your big guys again and say, hey, w what's going on? And hopefully by then that little bit of a slump is over with. So, you know, it kind of there's there's some give and take. There's some push and pull. Uh, so, you know, you're never going to be on 100 percent of the time. You're never going to be able to go out there and score every single game. Right. There's always going to be little lapses. And the teams that win are the teams that can handle those lapses by having their depth score when they need to. And the big guys score when the depth's not coming through. And tonight we kind of got a little bit from everybody. So um, a, a total complete effort by the team, I thought. Jones played phenomenally. The defense looked solid. I will say another thing about Mario Ferraro. This guy never gives up on a puck. Um, I mean, he was in front of the net. The puck shoot uh, gets shot and deflects out towards the boards. And, I mean, to, not just that he got there, but the body language, the hustle, the drive, you can see his legs is absolutely churning as hard as he can. He's moving as quick as he can. And there's, it's just something that you can't, 
I don't know. I mean, maybe you could teach it, but you can't really teach like the desire, the drive. He wants to get that puck and he's always out there chugging and burning. And that's one of the things I love about the guy is his mm -hmm. desire, his compete level is just so high. And you can see it every time he steps on the ice, he's always going after loose pucks and uh, he's usually the first guy there. And when he's not, he's battling hard to get it back. So I love Mario Ferraro's game tonight. I thought he did phenomenal. Um, just all yeah. up and down the roster. I thought everyone played a really great game, and it was reflected with a, a big Sharks win. Let's say Ferraro picked up an assist tonight, but he also was a plus two. And nobody on the Sharks was a minus tonight for all those people that really love that plus minus stat. Uh, too bad Carlson didn't pick up a plus, but at least he was even. So uh, he doesn't. he's not going to help his case right now because he is the worst Shark uh, for plus minus on the team. I think he's a minus, minus eight, I think. He's leading... Leading the team in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. Um, but I, and again, plus minus. It's so hard to to rank people on plus minus, especially defensemen. Your top scoring or your top pairing defensemen because they're on the ice so much. Um, but Burnsy and Ferraro both the plus two. Uh, Burnsy with the goal and Ferraro with the assist. So it's good to see uh, those two are 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 looking pretty good. Uh, it's too bad for Shimmick because he's only getting maybe he's he's not quite a hundred percent, but he's only getting about twelve minutes a night. Uh, they're kind of slowly bringing him back. But I think Ferraro's kind of took over his role of being the Burns wild man whisperer, uh, and he's looking pretty good. I mean, Ferraro himself tonight had 22 minutes. That's pretty good for a, uh, was that, a second full year? <laughs> Last year, year a rookie? Yeah, no, he's he's okay. shown that he's ready for those top four minutes. He really has. And, and not just to soak up the minutes there. I mean, in top four, you're not really soaking up minutes, right? But – um, I mean, again, his compete level, it's there. Uh, this is a guy that can go out there and give you good quality minutes every single time he's on the ice. He's good offensively, he's good defensively, and he never gives up on a puck. Um, and I will say that on, I believe it was the first goal, it was a Parise goal, um, where the guy, the, the new guy that they got, uh, Kaprizov, I think, or something like that, I forget. Yeah. I, Oh, was that? on Minnesota, Caprizov. Yes, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he passed the puck over to, to Parise, who was streaking towards the net, and then put it past Jones. And Carlson stepped up on that guy, Caprizov. I don't know. Caprizov. He stepped up on him, and uh, the the and Parise was getting chased by none other than Timo Meyer, but there wasn't really much of a chase going on. I can guarantee you, if that was Mario Ferraro, he'd have tied up that stick because that guy would have chased him down. Uh, there was a little bit of a lack of effort, I thought, on that play by Timo, and most of Twitter thought the same thing. And it was kind of like, well, here we go again. This is the reason that you're on the third line, Timo. So um, I was like, you know, it's it's not Timo time, just like we were talking about last <laughs> It is not Timo time. We put the clock down. Um, but, you know, I, as the game kind of went on, you start seeing it again from Timo. Say, okay, you know what, I'm I'm going to do what I can here, and I'm, I'm going to chug these legs, and I'm going to turn and burn. And that's exactly what they did on that line is they they showed up, they played hard. They were consistently one of the better lines out there after that goal went in. And, you know, there's it's good to see that they've got that depth. It almost reminds me of uh, that, what was it, the uh, HBK line for Pittsburgh when they they won the cup uh, against the San Jose Sharks. Um, it was, uh, I think it was uh, Kessel. Kessel was on, like, their third line, essentially. And it was like, yeah. Phil Kessel, you know. I mean, this is Timo Meyer. If you could spread out the offense and have him on the third line and he's liking the line mates that he has and it works – Gosh, it does a whole lot of wonders for the amount of depth that you can throw out there and really have some mismatches. You know, if John Leonard can continue to be or can really step up to be the type of player that we all think he can and Ryan Donato continues to impress, 
do you move Timo off that line? Maybe not. Maybe you just go with that that great amount of depth and keep him on the power play uh, number two there. Um, and then, as you said, the fourth line with Nieto and Marlowe and insert player here, I mean, they've been doing pretty good too. They, they're, they're killing it with speed. So there's a whole lot of great things going on. Um, and, and I'm excited for, you know, as the, the times to come, the games to come. And I'm excited for the, the, the system that they're working on with Bob Bugner to really kind of take hold and for them all to get it and all be on the same page. And I think we're starting to see that. And hopefully it translates to more than just these three wins. As Stevenson Nee has just given us $3 in Super Chat saying $3 for three wins. Thank you so much, Stevenson. It does go a long way. We appreciate that. And we're just as excited as you. So, um, Aaron, I don't know, your, your final thoughts on that before we start taking these questions? Uh, well, thanks, Stevenson. I'm kind of out of focus again here. Uh, I can't wait for that 50th win this season. Here we go. Big flyer. Yeah. Um, it works. <laughs> it kind of worked. It's making it worse. Little little in home studio. We're kind of going off the. Get on with it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <sighs> so yeah, any last comments about game game number two against the Minnesota Wild, uh, which saw the Sharks having one of their most uh, pr- probably their most complete effort this season. Uh, everybody played well, and of course they come out with the win. Well, I was really worried about the the Sharks um, kind of giving up and, and letting Minnesota come back in the game and tying it, going to yet another overtime game. But I'm very happy to see Jonesy make that save and uh, them holding off and then Nieto sealing the deal with uh, an almost offsides, by the way. Uh, Sorensen almost messed that up. Thankfully, the new rule change helped save it. At least we think it did because uh, the blue line, we don't have the, they didn't have the blue line camera, which is unfortunate. It, the blue line camera is a camera that's literally looking down the blue line. And the new rule this year for offsides, it used to be your skate had to be on the blue line, literally on the ice. And that's almost impossible to tell on a replay just based on cameras and logistics and everything else. So they made it so that it just has to be the plane. So now the think of the blue line as a big line going all the way up. And if your leg, you can have your leg straight up in the air. If it's through that plane, then you're fine, which is what happened tonight. So Nieto would drag or um, Sorensen dragged it just enough to uh, to keep it keep it in there and uh, and and then um, get that goal. So good on Nieto. I'm glad to see him get another goal. Um, I thought for sure he was going to pass it across to Sorensen, but Nieto was like, "Nope, I got to get mine." So he put it away. And he also he almost missed. Did you see that? He roofed that thing. He put that <laughs> thing in the corner. That was close. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was uh, definitely nice to see that one go in. Uh, was, when when it first kind of came down that they're going to be doing the uh, the replay, because I saw the play and I'm like, oh, Sorensen looks offsides. So uh, I was a little worried at first. And then, uh, they, you know, they, they did the replay and I'm going, I'm looking at the replay over and over and I'm like, I, I don't know. It looks like he might be offside, but I feel like he's okay. In fact, didn't they change the ruling such that the, the puck has to not cross into the offensive zone, but just cross the blue, the initial blue line from the neutral zone. I think that, I think that was one of the ruling changes other than just lifting the foot off of the blue line being okay. I thought it was the point of entry had changed. I'll have to go back and check that one later on as you are blurry as, as I don't even know. What you, is that still you? Holy smokes, dude. Yeah. Sunflower. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I know it was, uh, it was really nice to see him uh, being able to uh, throw that puck in the net. And then it actually did count. Cause uh, you know, it's, it was a little nerve wracking at the end there, just kind of uh, sweating it just a bit there. So, um, but Hey, 
glad that it's done. Glad that it's over. Glad could they come away with two more points. Uh, they're 500 on the season in terms of point production there. So, um, I mean, pretty much all good things right now. We look forward to the next games in, against Colorado and then at home, if you will, in uh, Gila River Arena, I believe is what it's called, uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. So lots, uh, lots to come with uh, better teams uh, to go up against, and we'll see how well the system holds up against those guys who can really put the puck in the back of the net. But I, I feel like if our defense keeps uh, progressing in terms of being able to block those shots and limit those chances. The Sharks have done a very good job of limiting chances, and they've been saying that all throughout the broadcast as well. The Sharks are doing a much better job uh, than last season even, and, and the beginning of the season even, just a few games ago, uh, of reducing the amount of chances that the other teams are getting, those high-danger chances. So, uh, you know, it could bode well against these really uh, tough teams who are used to getting those big chances. If they're not getting those high-danger opportunities, maybe they're not uh, as dangerous as everybody thinks they are, if you kind of limit that. I don't know. So uh, did you want to start talking about uh, the, the games to come? Did you want to call out some comments here? I think we've got pl- tons of comments going through right now. My goodness. Yeah, look at that. I'm back in focus here. Um, hey, right. Dana just said abs are also 3-3. Three and three. Just saying, absolutely, the abs are not as dominant as uh, everyone thought they would be. They're not undefeated. So, yes, they're still a good team, but uh, every good team is still going to have their faults. So uh, the Sharks put in their hard work, I think uh, I think they can come away with at least one of the wins in Colorado. Um, now, it's always hard going into Colorado because the elevation, they're mile high. So uh, that definitely affects the lungs. Um, but, yes, it, and you mentioned it before that their home games, they just announced that I think yesterday, yesterday or today, that they will not be, the Sharks will not be playing at SAP Center, at least for their first home games in February, uh, because of COVID-related reasons in the county. Um, who was it? The Warriors are playing. They're not playing in San Francisco. I think they're playing up further north. I can't remember where because I'm not really following the Warriors that much. But um, they're like I think they're the only other professional team right now. The 49ers, their season's done, but they weren't allowed to play it as well. So they were also in Arizona, um, and that was the only teams that were going on right now because there's no baseball. So uh, yeah, the Sharks are unfortunately are not going to be able to be home. And there was a good write up from uh, Kurz, I believe, this week about it because they are essentially living out of a suitcase away from their families on the road. And there's a number of newly new dads, I guess I should say. They're on the team that have a couple newborns. So that's got to be rough for uh, not to see your kid. Um, I mean, imagine you have a newborn and you go on the road for a month, right? You don't get to see that kid grow up. Uh, and a lot happens in a month, believe me, when you have a new baby. So um, that's really sad. and It's going to take a toll on them mentally. So hopefully the Sharks, are, or not so much the Sharks, but the county will uh, allow them to come back and play. Um, to me as a fan, it's not a huge deal because it's not like we can go to the games anyway in San Jose. So whatever they can play in Arizona, at least there'll be some fans there. Um, but it's unfortunate for the sharks themselves to not be able to be in their homes and their beds, uh, with their families. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a big deal. I think coming up. Very good. I want to call out a couple comments here. Um, one saying, I, Nicholas Egan, I think the Sharks should keep splitting the starts for Jones and Dubnik. Seems like they've done well when both get some work and rest. This is something that we were talking about before this season even started. It was that you're going to need two guys who are both starter quality, guys who have had, have had starts in the NHL and lots of them, and these two have had basically the most uh, over the last like five years, right? So um, there's a lot of experience in net for the San Jose Sharks here. 
Um, I, some might point to the numbers and say, well, maybe not starter quality. That's fine. But I mean, I think Jones is showing right now that he's, he's able to bounce back. And I think Dubnik the same. Dubnik hasn't had a win yet, but if you take a look at the games that he's played, I thought he's put together some pretty complete efforts. Even the game that they lost in was five to four against the blues. Four of those goals, two of them were, were screens uh, from his own defenseman shooting between the legs, right? And then the other two that I was talking about were deflection goals. Very hard to pick up. So I thought he still did a really good job on all the stuff that he was able to see. Uh, there was just that one where he just wasn't able to cover it. Fair enough. Uh, you can you can dog it from that one. But I think that the, the tandem has worked well. And it was something that Devin Dubnik had said at the beginning of the season was, I'm looking forward to working with Martin Jones not to try to be better than him, but to try to make ourselves better together, right? To be able to to push each other up and to to kind of help each other get our games back. And I think that's exactly what's happening. And a lot of credit does need to go to each of them working for each other and trying to pump each other up and help each other out, but also to goaltending coach Evgeny Nabokov, I'm sure has had a lot to do with their turnaround, their success, along with the hard work that each one of these guys has put in during the offseason that cannot be undersold. I think uh, they've put all the work in that was necessary. And the fact that these guys are going to be playing a condensed schedule and they're going to be sharing more starts, I think absolutely bodes well because each one of them is used to playing all the games, all the minutes. And right now, uh, they're going to be splitting. Well, I mean, Jones has got four games and Dubnik's got two. So if that trend continues, Jones is going to be getting way more starts. But if they can start splitting it more often, those guys are going to be playing a lot less in terms of the, the, the frequency of game. They're going to get more rest. And then, of course, the season is short anyway. So you won't even have to split 82. You only have to split 56. So I think it bodes well for both of them. I think this is going to be a good season and goal uh, for both of these guys. And as the defense, again, starts to shore themselves up and get the system down pat and really does a good job uh, keeping the, the high danger chances to a minimum. It's only going to bode well. And it's something I've said, guys, something I've said, the defense, those goaltending numbers, it's not goalie numbers. It's team defense numbers. I'm telling you, as the, as the team defense gets better, you're going to see better save percentages. You're going to see better goals against average. I'm telling you that you can jot it down, say that that's what Paul said, and tell me I'm wrong later on, but I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. Uh, speaking about defensemen, I want to go one comment below that. says, Matt F., I'm late. Did you guys talk about 71? Kanijov, uh, he can't spell his name. Uh, we could barely say it. Uh, showing <laughs> grit today, he's been decent so far. Absolutely, the guy uh, comes in out of nowhere. That's what they said during camp. Bob Bugner said he literally just kind of came out of nowhere. We weren't expecting this guy to make the roster, uh, and he just – outplayed the competition for that spot. So, uh, you know, here he is. He's been in the lineup. I thought he played well tonight. Uh, there really wasn't a guy on the ice that I was super disappointed with, apart from Timo's uh, kind of coast behind uh, Parise there for the first goal against. But other than that, I thought everybody did a really good job playing, including Knizhov. Knizhov. There you go. Aaron, go ahead. Take it away. Uh, Brian Hong wanted to know, going back to the goalies, who starts in goal the next game? Do you go back to Dubnik or do you stay with Jones? I would say go back to Dubnik. I think it's working. It's keeping him fresh. Uh, they are going to have to travel right now from Minnesota to Colorado. So that's a plane flight where Jonesy had a pretty good game, pretty pretty active game too. So uh, give him a little bit of rest. Why not? Um, it, the Sharks are in a situation where they have two bona fide starters and they're lucky. Now, it's still early in the season. I still expect one of these guys to either get hurt or go on COVID or maybe not get COVID, but maybe have to go through the protocol just like you see. What, did you see what happened in Washington, by the way, with the Capitals? Yes. Uh, they had four guys. They 
they broke protocol. What was it? They were hanging out in a room in a hotel room with with each other or something that they weren't supposed to be, and uh, they had to quarantine. I don't get that. I don't get why that's a problem uh, that the players are hanging out together because the players practice together. The players are not allowed to see anybody outside of their hotel rooms, even the other players. It just doesn't make sense to me. If they can't see anybody else, shouldn't they all be treated as if they were one happy family and they can see each other? I, I don't understand why that's a problem. I don't know. Rules are the rules, and they broke them, and they knew what the rules were. It's not like they could plead ignorance. So uh, they had to sit, and the NHL came in and stepped in and said – actually, I, I think Washington is the one that they kind of did it first, and the NHL was like, uh, yeah, you need to not do that. Even if it was Ovechkin was one of them, like top top name guy in the league, and he's going to have to sit. So – um, the Sharks, I fully expect something like this to happen. Something's going to happen where um, maybe they don't get COVID, but you never know. There's false positives, right? Where you, all of a sudden you test positive, and then you have to go through tracing and go, oh, I just saw these four guys. Now they have to sit. And then it comes back, oh, it wasn't. A, it wasn't. I didn't have it. It was a false negative. And then too late. They already had to sit. So anyway, going back to the goalies, I, I expect one of them to be sitting at some point during the season. And we're going to see uh, – um, who is it? Who's the guy on the on the taxi squad? The Russian guy, right? New guy. I'm blanking on his name now. Melnichuk. Melnichuk. Thank you. Uh, I bet we see him get a start in there at some point, or maybe not start, but a uh, he'll be in the game on the bench. Get some experience. Um, it's opening and closing the door. Yeah, Nicholas Egan. This is a good stat right here. Wild led the Sharks eleven to four in high danger chances tonight, and the Sharks yet still won barely. Yeah, so um, that kind of contradicts exactly what I was just saying, though, doesn't it? <laughs> huh? Yeah, that's thanks, Nick, for that. You, I'm not going to say it. Uh, no, hey, uh, if if anything, I think that's a testament to the sharpness of Jones. Then, right? Um, the, if if they're letting allowing 11 high danger chances against, uh, and and he's done a pretty good job of shutting the majority of that down. Now, I, I wonder how many of those chances uh, resulted in goals. Um, if if all three of the goals were high danger. I mean, I don't know exactly what to say about that stat just now, but I think that the flip side of that is the four, right? The four chances against. That kind of shows me that we're not we're not taking the puck to the net as often as we should. And what happens when you go to the net? I mean, let's take a look at the Burns goal. He brought the puck straight to the net. It wound up being a goal. You've got Ryan Donato, who uh, fired a puck, not really high danger. It was actually kind of a weird off angle, but it deflected and it went in. It was closer to the net than say like a, a wide point shot. So I think the more you bring the puck into the, you know, to the net, the higher uh, danger opportunities, you're going to get more goals. The Sharks only had four of those according to you tonight. So, I mean, I wonder how many of those resulted in goals. And if that Ryan's on a goal was considered high danger, I would consider it high danger. It just happened to ricochet and go in. Uh, but you know, Hey, when you're, you're uh, having a hard time scoring, you throw the puck at the net and wild things do happen. I mean, even Curtis Brown was saying that uh, at the, after the post game there was just, you know, throw the puck at the net and, and wild bounces do happen. Sometimes it goes in. So uh, always, uh, always nice to try to get that number higher. Uh, unfortunately, it was tilted in when it, the Wild's favor tonight. But again, the sharpness of Jones, I think, tonight really showed. And the Sharks were able to overcome that stat, thankfully. Uh, going back to the Washington thing, they were in the hotel bar, according to Anthony Sanchez, not in a room. So the four players went down into the hotel bar, which makes more sense than hanging out in a room. Yeah. Come on. They know better than that. That's just silly. Silly, silly. Um, 
there was a there was a funny comment from Scott Kemp, and I'm going to call it out because it's a little negative. Does anybody else see how much we are playing paying EK65 to waste space on the bench? I don't quite understand this because uh, he was almost on the ice more than the bench at 24 minutes. So uh, I don't really get it. But um, yeah, anyway. EK65. always be haters. That's what oh. it comes down to. Okay, they're, It's they're because always... of the contract. Because of the contract. That's it. Yeah. It's all comes down to. Now, I, I was thinking about this earlier because there's so much hate for the contracts for, I mean, not just Carlson. Burns, Kane, Couture, all the top guys, Vlasic. Now, these guys, think about, let's go, let's look at Vlasic, right? I think he's a better example. Um, for a long time, he was probably the best defenseman in the league, one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. Um, he was not getting paid as such, right? So it was a bargain. Like, wow, the Sharks are really lucky to have him. Now the Sharks pay him like he's the top defensive defenseman in the league, and now he's not quite as sharp or as good as he was, and now people hate him. Why? What flip flop those contracts? What's the difference, right? Like he earned that contract. He earned it. Part and, and the NHL kind of pays based on past performance. Not quite, but there's some players that are going to get rewarded, including Vlasic and Carlson and Burns, Coach Her, Kane. These guys, you you never in any of these sports, any of the big four sports, you never see players get paid early for what they haven't done yet. You see them make their money afterwards, after what they've done and proven themselves. So I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm really sick and tired of all the people hating. It's all because of the contract. He's still a top player. All these guys are. They're still top players in the league. Yeah, and and, and the, the exception to what you just said would be with uh, Kevin LeBanc, right? He's getting paid for what they believe he will be in the future. Uh, not necessarily being paid for past performances, obviously, because he got the the $1 million contract and he didn't show that he was worth $4 million by that season. But they're assuming that he's going to be a much better player uh, as the years go by. And I think they're probably right on that. I hope they're right on that. Um, and they're paying him the amount that he should be uh, paid for the performances that they believe he will be putting up. And that's that, I think you're right, though. That's pretty rare. I think most players get paid for past performances. So, um, yeah, 100% on that. But, you know, again, there's always going to be people who are, are going to hate on uh, contracts and whatnot. And it's like I always I always try to do this analogy, and sometimes I screw this up, so bear with me here, folks. Um, it's it's as if you're going to a store, and I always use this, the, the, to buy bananas, right? You, you can go to Safeway and get bananas, or you can go to, I don't know, Rayleigh's and get bananas or Costco and get bananas. And the price is different, but you're still getting a banana. You, you can't say, well, Eric Carlson costs this much, and then compare it to, like, Drew Doughty or compare him to Roman Yossi or whatever else and say, well, we could have had this guy for the same amount. It's like, no, that guy belongs to that team. That there's no, You can't go out there and get another guy for that amount. This is what Eric Carlson costs. If you want Eric Carlson to play on your team, this is what any team's going to have to pay him. And, yes, I 100% believe if the Sharks didn't pay him that, he would have got it somewhere else. So – that's the going rate for Eric Carlson. Regardless of whether or not he's worth it in your mind, if you want him as part of your team, that's what you have to pay for it. You can't go out and get a different Eric Carlson for a, a lower price just because Costco's got bananas on sale, right? So again, my analogy may be not working for some people, but I think you get the gist of it, right? It's just that if you want this guy, that's what he costs. That's just what it is. Now, frankly, I look at his game, and even tonight I was looking at his game, and he is so evasive with the puck. I mean, he brought the puck in 
across the, the the neutral zone. He had guys breathing down his neck, and I'm thinking, okay, as soon as he crosses that blue line, he's going to have to dump the puck in or something. And here he is, wide legs, gliding. He's got the puck held away. He's doing a great job of puck protection. He ends up taking, I think, like three guys uh, up against the boards with him, and then he dishes the puck across the ice. And to me, that's what you're paying for. You're not paying for the numbers so much on the stat sheets. You're paying for the zone entry and getting the other guys open and available. I think that's what he does so well. We've talked about the difference between Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, both offensive defensemen, two completely different types of players. Brent Burns is the guy who's going to blast the puck through the net, right? He's the, he's the brute force. He's looking for that cannon of a shot. Eric Carlson is essentially blue line Joe Thornton, right? This is a guy who's, who's a puck protector, who's not exactly the biggest body, but he does puck protect very well. And he's able to find the open man all the time. And I saw a couple more tonight where he made a great pass and it exploded off of a stick again. It's like these guys haven't figured out how to handle this pass yet. I don't know why. Um, but again, for me, it's this is what the guy costs. And this is what you're looking for him to do. And I think he does a great job of what you're asking him to do. Now, the points may not show up. And a lot of that has to do with he's not getting assists because the guys that he's getting the puck to aren't finishing. Now, hopefully that changes as the system gets more ingrained in their way of play. Uh, and, and we'll see some more points on his stat sheet. But as of right now, I'm I'm pretty happy with the way that he's handling the puck, the way that he's setting up his teammates, even if they're unable to finish, and the way that he's protecting it in the offensive zone. So is it a lot of money? Yes, absolutely. And am I a believer that when you pay one player way too much money, you make it very difficult to make a good team? Yeah, absolutely. I played enough NHL 20 and 21 to, to, to get that, that message through, right? Um, but I, I think that in this case, I would probably still do it all over again. I think he's absolutely worth uh, what we're paying him to be able to be a big difference maker. And I think he is a difference maker. I would like to see the guys who he's handing the puck off to do a better job of finishing. But um, in terms of his ability to control the puck, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. All right. Uh, let's go to roll call and tell us where you're watching from and give us your Best one-word description for Burnsy's goal tonight. How about that? We'll end on a good That's note. That's a good one. And let's talk about the next games. We're playing Colorado on Tuesday and Thursday night. But before we do, Costco, uh, Stevenson Yee says, Costco has cap circumvention. Thank you, Stevenson. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Aaron. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday night in Colorado, uh, both games at 6 p.m. We will be doing our show on Thursday. Thursday night after the game uh, at 9 p.m. So we'll see you back here on Thursday night. But what would you be happy with coming out of there on Thursday night? How many points out of the four total? Okay. I want to go back to what you were saying you'd be happy with for the wild and what I was saying. I think um, you had said you'd be upset if it wasn't four points. So before we answer the question. No, 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 no. I said I'd be happy with four points. I'd be disappointed with two. Okay. I think we said we'll we'll meet uh, halfway at three, which is because I was saying I was okay with two. I'd be happy with three and ecstatic with four. I think you said you'd be okay with three, but you would be disappointed with two, right? Exactly, yeah. So are you still disappointed? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, you know what it is for I'm, me? I think it's that I, the second game was a win. The second game was yeah. a win, so it feels a little bit better than it should. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm but disappointed. No, for me, happy we've been splitting all these series and the team is still acclimating to the system i think if you can split while you're learning all good things 
I, I think uh, I don't know if disappointed is the right word. I'm happy with the way they played, disappointed with the results. How about that? Because I felt like yeah. I felt like the game. Well, I thought like the first game they looked good. They just couldn't score. I, I think it was a little bit of bad luck. Good luck on Minnesota's part. Um, but also at the same time, I feel like in in hockey you create your own luck by hard work. And I feel like the Sharks could have done a better job creating more chances to create their own luck, but still sad that we only got two points out of that. Okay. Um, before we talk about the, the, the expectations for the next miniseries, I want to go through some of these uh, words real quick. So we got Noah Claxton from San Diego saying, disgusting. Uh, yes, absolutely. That was the word uh, that everyone's been using here. Uh, Sonic Tonic from downtown San Jose says slick Fullerton gaming from Fullerton, California says badly. I'm not sure what that's supposed to imply, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Gernster, I think is how you say it. Prince Opera Saskatchewan speechless. Anthony Sanchez burns goal smooth. Nick HBK 150. What's up, Nick? Uh, <laughs> I'll skip on that one. Uh, Nicholas Egan <laughs> super califragilistic expialidocious. Yes. Thank you, Nicholas. That was, uh, that's a good one there too. Lundy says epic. Brian says amazing. Keith, uh, missed the game. Uh Oh, but I made it to the fin factor. Keith, we forgive you, my friend. You uh, Orange County, the burn school says, cool. yeah. was that? Let's say, go back and watch the highlight of that goal. If you did not see it already. And then check out our Twitter at the Fin Factor uh, for the the GIF of Burns' uh, post goal celebration on the bench. There, uh, Kellen Foster says uh, the Burns goal was a burner. Get it? Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's a good, good one. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Now for as for the the coming games here. Um, oh, <laughs> Quicksilver says ooh wee. Uh, for the coming games here, I think. Against Colorado, again, I'm looking for another split. This is a team that's, you know, they're good. They're really good. I know their record is the same as the Sharks right now. This is not the same team as the Sharks, okay? Um, they they Once they find their game uh, back again, and it may take a team like the Sharks to help them find their game, um, it's going to be ugly. Uh, I, I feel like they're, again, still the real deal. They were the real deal last season. They haven't made too many changes, I don't think. So I, I really see them as being the same skillful team that they were in the first place. So it's going to be a tall task. If we can come out of that with, again, a split, I'd be more than happy with that. Uh, as the season goes on, my expectations may be a little bit higher. Um, and again, it, which is kind of weird because you think about it, everyone's got this team pegged to be at the bottom of the division, right? But if I'm looking at it and saying I'm hoping for a split, that's like we haven't put the bar high enough. And yet everyone else would say that's putting the bar too high because they're not a good team. So it's like where, where's the kind of the, the happy medium there? So, again, for me, uh, I'd be happy with uh, a split. I think, you know, either it being a loss or a win or a win or a loss, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, whether we get our two points from overtime losses, I'd be okay with that too. I'd rather not be uh, giving Colorado four points to be able to take two because they're going to be uh, just that much higher in the standings. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure Colorado is going to finish the season off ahead of us anyway. So does it matter if we're giving them the extra points? I don't think so. Uh, I'd just be happy to come out of this with two points in any way, shape, or form. You? Uh, yeah, I think they're going to have to scrape by and get as many points as they can. So even if it goes to overtime, goes to overtime. Uh, I do expect probably, I'm looking at the standings right now, Vegas is so far ahead. They're 5-1. and one. I mean, they got 10 points out of a possible 12. That That doesn't suck. So... It sucks for everyone else that doesn't like Vegas, but uh, uh, they're probably going to stay at the top. 
I think, uh, and then it goes Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado. Those top four are kind of like what everyone expects the division to end. Uh, maybe not in the same order, but uh, if you can pull some points away, maybe you can scrape by and, and you're going to have to knock out one of those teams. I thought Minnesota was that team to knock out. Um, and I think even after those two games, I think Minnesota plays a better, more defensive responsible game than I thought they would. So, um, man, that's going to be a tough, tough, tall order unless someone gets hurt or some people go on COVID for a while. So uh, this year is such a it, – it's up in the air, really, on where it's going to end, uh, minus those top couple teams. So I think luckily the Sharks are in a good division where they have a chance to uh, to get in that playoff spot. Anthony Sanchez is predicting a 2-0 sweep against the Avs. Um, you know what's going to happen? It's going to happen, and he's going to come back and go, told you so. <laughs> I I hope so. Um, I want to believe you, Anthony. I really do. Um, but I, I just, I'm not sure if that's realistic. But uh, if it happens, I will absolutely give you all the credit in the world for that one, if I can remember. And if I can't, you can just tell me. Uh, right after that, we've got... Um, Kellen Foster, Nieto revenge narrative. I like that. Uh, we already had the narrative against the uh, the Minnesota Wild with Dubnik and with Donato. And even Burns, they were throwing in there a little bit too, uh, being a, a guy that we we picked up uh, through a trade uh, with the the uh, the Wild there. So, um, yeah, Nieto, um, you know, <laughs> I could definitely see something like that where Nieto comes in there and has a, one heck of a game. Uh, I'd love to see that, Aaron. Absolutely. I, I I like Matt Nieto. I like his game. Uh, it's kind of sad to see that he ended up being a fourth liner, but he is a good fourth liner and a good penalty killer. Um, uh, when he, I remember when he first came in the league, I was really excited about him because he had so much speed and pretty decent amount of skill. He was a little bit smaller. He still is kind of smaller, but um, do you ever wonder, like, do you ever think, wow, Matt Nieto really looks like Jake Gyllenhaal or it could be his like little brother. You ever notice that? <laughs> I posted a GIF today after the during the game. Like, man, he looks like Jake Gyllenhaal. And I posted a Jake Gyllenhaal GIF. I'm like, yep, yeah, looks like Matt Nieto. No, never thought about it. Am I the only one? All right, I'm weird. So. Can't say I've thought about that before, but thank you for bringing that up. I guess now I'll be seeing Jake Gyllenhaal every time I look at Matt Nieto. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Long Beach native Matt Nieto. You got to say his full name from Matt F. All right, Matt F. Calling you out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's overplayed. I think it's a little uh, overdone at this point, but sure. Long uh, Beach native, Matt Nieto. Noah Claxton uh, is along the same lines as Anthony Sanchez here. Noah Claxton says, four points, except nothing less, no mercy. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's how I figured you said it with the uh, the whole, what do you call it, um, uh, the emperor from, what's it called, that movie, Gladiator, oh. where he's getting the thumb out and down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, Lundy. Uh, Minnesota will be below us by playoffs. I kind of feel like they they might, um, but they did come out pretty strong this season. Um, so, I mean, who knows? I would love to see anybody uh, below us <laughs> come playoff time. So, um, you know, I mean, that's the goal, I think. The goal isn't to be the best in the division, especially for this team by a long shot. I think the goal is just, you know, stay competitive um and, and try to squeak into the playoffs and i really do feel like one of the main goals for bob bugner is to get the younger guys on the right page and then for the next season they'll be off on the right foot and the young guys will have already stepped up and somebody made the comment earlier i didn't get to pick it up but the young guys are stepping up we've got you know uh john leonard who is still looking like he's nhl caliber he hasn't got his first goal yet but he's out there just 
really churning out there. Um, he's he's looking good with the puck. He's looking good on the walls now. Um, he was one of the things he was talking about. He's worked a lot on his board play. Um, obviously, Mario Ferraro taking a big step forward his sophomore season playing in the top four. You've got uh, Ryan Donato stepping in, not exactly a rookie anymore, but certainly new to the team. And uh, he's played really well. I mean, it just everybody seems to be kind of stepping up and doing a great job. Kanijov as well. I think Kanijov is is stepping into that role as the guy that they have to play right now. And he's kind of playing himself into a position where he's going to stay. I think um, Clawson, I think is the guy is, is, is how you say his name. He hasn't seen the lineup yet. And I'm not sure when he'll actually be back in the fold to, to have a shot at that roster spot. But Kanijov is making a case for him to stay anyway. So um, I don't know. I, I, I like the way everyone's playing and, um, you know, hopefully everybody kind of continues on with that path. And next season, when we go for a full season, everybody's going to be just that much more acclimated to the system and have that much more NHL experience. And maybe we'll be just that much more uh, in contention for maybe not just a, a wild card spot, but maybe for, you know, a top um, two or three in the division, you know. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to what the, these guys can do, not just this season alone, but uh, in the very near future. Absolutely. I mean, if they if they do go in and get those four points in Colorado, they're, they're going to jump in the standings over Colorado. Uh, it, it will obviously be early, but um, going back to your point on the young guys, yeah, the young guys are stepping up and they're looking better and way better than last year. I think there's less so younger guys. A lot of them have more experience than they did last year, and that's kind of exactly what you're trying to build going into next season. And remember, next season we'll have the uh, expansion draft for Seattle, so the Sharks are going to lose – a player, somebody, uh, they're going to open up some more cap space. The cap should go up. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going to be in play. Uh, the Sharks will be a lot different team next year than they will be this year. Um, so again, I think this year is more focusing on getting experience. It's a short season, not riding off the season. Things could happen, but if things do go south, at least the Sharks do have their first round pick as well. So it will be, if they don't make the playoffs, then it will be a, a top caliber player will be coming back. Uh, to the Sharks probably probably will be their their top prospect I would imagine even more so than Merkley and speaking of Merkley who knows if we see him this season maybe we will that's another guy that uh, that could step in there and, and play some minutes uh, we're gonna wrap this up real quick here but uh, Steven Sinead helping us out with the name Commodus thank you um, and then you also got Steven Sinead saying do you think Merkley will see NHL ice time um, I think at this point, no, not so much. Uh, I don't think you're gonna, we're going to see um, we're going to see him get ice time at all. Um, well, then, I, it depends on the season. If the season goes south, I think they're going to bring in those young guys and get them some some experience. Fair enough. Uh, and then John uh, Noah Claxton says Leonard says felt cute might slip into the top six. I think he forgot the IDK, uh, but that's okay. Uh, Lundy gives Seattle Dubnik. Dubnik's on a one year contract, so they wouldn't bother picking him up anyway. Uh, Noah Claxton also reminding him Dubnik is UFA. That's correct. Um, and then he thinks Kevin LeBanc will get taken by Seattle, sadly. That's, Noah does. I was going to say that. You mentioned his contract earlier when we were talking about those contracts. I think I feel like LeBanc is a good option to be possibly dangled uh, and taken up by Seattle. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, it, it could be the case. So, um, okay. Well, I, you know, I think we've uh, we've gone for quite a while here. We're going to yeah. exhaust the people in the – in the chat and certainly exhausted producer Jason there. Uh, hey, the more you know. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, again, guys, uh, episode number 100. Mm. I can't believe it. It's, it's absolutely amazing to me uh, that we've we've lasted this long, to be honest with you. But, again, it comes down to 
largely you guys. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community, for uh, sharing our videos, helping us get our names out there, retweeting our tweets and having the comments that are in the comment section there, allowing us to have topics to, to talk with you guys about and getting you guys involved. We love that. And uh, to all of all the guys, I think mostly was, mostly was Lundy tonight uh, for uh, throwing that super chat money our way. We do appreciate it so much, Lundy. Uh, don't forget though, we do have the store so you can use that money to get yourself a hat, some shirts, uh, some stickers over at thefinfactor.com. Everything you guys uh, contribute towards the show goes exactly right there to the show. It does not go into mine or Aaron's pockets. I know what you're thinking. Aaron spends the money we make to get those nice haircuts. It's not the case. Definitely so, uh, again, I just want to say thank you guys so much one more time. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys throughout the rest of the season. So, on that note, I want to say uh, thank you guys. For Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys on uh, Thursday night. Thursday night. That's right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.